17th century philosopher Blaise Pascal wrote, The eternal silence of the infinite spaces terrifies me. In Job, it says, Do you think you can explain the mystery of God? Do you think you can diagram God Almighty? God is far higher than you can imagine, far deeper than you can comprehend, stretching farther than Earth's horizons, far wider than the endless ocean. And yet uncertainty and mystery can be and is a gift from God. Let's dive into that idea today on today's A Critical Faith podcast from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Here now is Pastor Sue Collar. In 1964, archaeologists found the legendary pool of Bethzatha. It is the central location of one of Jesus' healing miracles. And it is probably one of the most unique of Jesus' healing miracles in that it is the only time Jesus healed somebody when the person did not want to be healed. Jesus healed him anyway. But it wasn't long, as we hear in the story, before he went back to his old way of life before being healed. So let's listen to the story and consider if you've ever had a moment when you didn't want the change that comes with healing and new life. Now in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Beth Zetha, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool, after each such disturbance, would be cured of whatever disease they had. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat, and he began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, It is a Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, The man who made me well said to me, Take up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take it up and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore the Jews started persecuting Jesus, because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. So 1 Corinthians 13 is a chapter that I think a lot of us know really, really well. It is best known as Paul's chapter on love. It is so often read at weddings and even funerals. But there's a powerful statement in there about growing up and about how faith and life get more complicated. Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. 
I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. It's the only story of Jesus healing someone who did not want to be healed. This man had been sick for 38 years, and Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? Where we might expect an enthusiastic yes, or at least a cautious yes, all he has for Jesus are excuses. There's no one to help me. By the time I get up and move to the water, someone else has already made it there before me. What he didn't say was, yes, I want to be healed. His life was defined by his limitations. His social, religious, and economic life revolved around this magical pool and the community of beggars and ill who congregated there. By pretty much any measurement, it probably wasn't a great life. He did not have a lot of resources. He was looked down on by pretty much everybody. But it was the only life he'd known for 38 years. For good or bad, he knew what life looked like when he was ill. He had a community of colleagues who shared his status of outcast. He knew how to make a living by begging. No one expected anything from him. He didn't know what life looked like when he was well. So when Jesus finds him several days later, he actually finds him in the temple. And the temple was a prime location for beggars looking for charity. Healed or not, this man went back to his old way of life as if Jesus had never, ever crossed his path. We might wonder why someone would choose not to be healed. But the reality is, haven't we all found ourselves in that place before? Choosing the life we know over the one we don't know? I think most of us know that every job is not a dream job. I had one of those not dream jobs for a number of years, and, and I'll tell you, I was miserable the whole time I was there. It was one of those times where I knew literally the first week I'd made a terrible mistake in taking this job. But I'd already resigned from my previous position. I'd already moved and bought a house. So I was stuck, or at least I felt stuck. Even though all I could think about for five years was, when can I get out of here? How can I leave? I wasn't married at the time, so I didn't have a second income to fall back on if I quit. And if I did quit, what would I do? You don't just leave one church job and have a new one the next day. That's not how it works. And even though that job made me not want to do anything ministry-related, I couldn't imagine doing anything other than church ministry. So I stayed. I stayed because I needed the certainty of knowing I had a paycheck. And I stayed because I wasn't comfortable with the idea of going in a new direction without a clue what direction that would be. Paul talks about seeing in a mirror dimly. And I think most of us can resonate with that. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know if one path will prove to be better than another when we set out on it. 
But as Paul talks about this, he talks about it as a blessing and a gift. Certainty, he says, is for children. When we grow up, we come to realize that nothing in life is really certain. Nothing is black and white. Nothing is a sure thing. And there's always more to the story that we don't know. Eric Elness, in his book, Gifts of the Darkwood, notes that the word translated as dimly in Paul's letter comes from the Greek word anigmati, which is where we get the word enigma from, which means difficult to understand, difficult to interpret, ambiguous. I think about that word, I think there's an element of mystery in that. Part of growing up into a mature faith is realizing we're never going to see the full picture in this life. There will always be an element of mystery, no matter where we go, no matter what we do. For Paul, embracing that was a sign of maturity, embracing that sense of mystery and enigma. Because as adults, we understand better than kids the complexity of life. And it was also a sign of faith. Because the only way one could truly embrace the unknown and find the gifts in it is by knowing and trusting the one who leads us there. John Ortberg in his book, Faith and Doubt, says, we all think we want certainty, but we don't. What we really want is trust wisely placed. We all think we want certainty, but we really don't. What we really want is trust wisely placed. We want to know that no matter where we are, no matter what our circumstances, God is with us. We want to know that God will not leave us to figure out this mystery, this enigma of life on our own. We want to know that when we don't know the way forward, God does, and God will find a way to guide us. When I finally left that not-so-good job after five years, I actually did so without another job in the wings. It finally taken enough of a toll on me that I simply had to break away. But I had no clue what I was going to do next. I had no clue what I wanted to do next. And to be honest, I was burnt out, so I guess I probably really didn't want to do anything for a while. It was a little scary. I still had bills to pay, but no paycheck coming in. But a friend started pestering me to apply for this church job in a city where he lived. And even though I really wasn't so sure I ever wanted to work in a church again, he just didn't give up. So I finally just gave in, more to keep him quiet than anything else. I just gave in and I applied. And you know something? I got the job. And I have never regretted it. Because that job set me off on a path that allowed me to do work that I was passionate about, work that I didn't even know I was passionate about. And it gave me an opportunity to use gifts I'd been developing over the years but hadn't really had the chance to ever really use. I felt like I'd finally found my place, truly, for the first time in my entire career. You see, sometimes you have to embrace the uncertainty. Sometimes you have to actually run to the uncertainty. And I learned to trust that even if I can't see the way forward, God can. Elvis says that trust is developed in the cauldron of uncertainty that gives us the confidence to allow the sweet spot moments of our lives to lead us more deeply into the dark wood and find our place in this world. Those sweet spot moments sometimes look like friends who won't stop pestering you to apply for a job. 
Or it might be that feeling that something's not quite right and something needs to change, but you aren't quite sure what that is. Or it could be a flash of insight or even just a fleeting thought. But when we put all of those together, patterns emerge. And sometimes they lead us out of the dark wood into a new beginning. Sometimes, like me, they actually lead us deeper into the dark wood until we find our true selves. I had to actually enter the dark wood, embrace the uncertainty of not knowing, to finally let go of those things that were stopping me from fully living the gifts God had given me. The image of dark wood actually comes from Dante's Inferno. In Dante's world, the dark wood is a place of confusion, emptiness, stumbling, a place our sin leads us to, away from God and toward the fires of hell. But Christian mystics such as John of the Cross and, and St. Teresa of Avila uh, saw the dark wood as a holy place, a place where one receives strange and wondrous gifts whose value vastly exceeds whatever hardships are encountered there. Or as Elna says, it's where you meet God. And I would add, it's where God meets us. I keep thinking about that man that Jesus healed, the one who wanted to stay within the comfortable certainty of his limitations. But that was not the life God desired for him. When Jesus later saw him in the temple, he saw he was back to his old life. What did he tell him? Sin no more. Give up that life. Embrace the new life I've made possible for him. God did not desire him to live that life of limitations where he had no freedom to grow, no freedom to be more than he was, no freedom to become the person God created him to be. If he was going to do that, he had to embrace the uncertainty of a future where he could only see dimly in order to discover where God, who could see clearly, was leading him. I get wanting certainty in our lives. I get wanting stability and, and knowing what comes next. I mean, I want that as much as anybody does. But I look back at the great people in Scripture, and you know, not a single one of them knew what the future held or where God would lead them. Abraham, Moses, Deborah, Gideon, Paul, Mary, all of them had to trust the one who called them when they could only see dimly, if even that. They had to let go of the certainties they held on to, enter the dark wood to find themselves and to find their purpose. I read their stories, look at my own, and I have to wonder, what certainty is God asking us to let go of? What certainty is God asking you to let go of? To find the path God is calling you to take. Thanks for joining us today on the Critical Faith Podcast from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's a place where faith is nurtured, curiosity is encouraged, diversity is welcomed, and all are loved. Please share these podcasts with your family and friends, and join us each week for more, and thank you for listening.